0: Before we start this week's show, we want to encourage you
1: to try out the new NPR One app for your phone. We like to tell you about uh, something you could be listening to instead of our show, and this week, that's Guy Raz's exclusive interview with TED curator Chris Anderson, where they talk about TED and the secrets to a great TED talk. It's kind of like TED Radio Hour Radio Hour, where they talk about TED during TED. Yeah, you about can... TED. TED. Um, this is on... Kind of a recursive TED loop uh, from which you cannot escape.
0: Find that conversation by searching TED Radio on the NPR One app. You can also find stories from your local station and more great podcasts
1: like the TED Radio Hour. Next week, we'll be talking to TED curator Chris Anderson about his conversation with Guy Raz about TED and the TED Radio Hour on the TED Radio Hour. And that is the TED Radio Hour Radio Hour Hour. Uh, You'll also be able to find that on NPR One. NPR One is on your app store now. So a couple weeks ago, there was a police chase uh, with a helicopter in England that resolved in kind of a fascinating way. On
0: the line with us now is Rory Niblock. He's a tactical officer and part of a helicopter crew there in the U.K., so, Rory, can you tell us what happened when you guys were on the hunt for these burglary suspects?
2: Yeah, uh, it was on uh, Easter Friday, and we deployed from our helicopter base to a report of uh, intruders burgling uh, industrial premises in uh, Surrey nearby. Um, we flew to the scene. In total, we were probably there for about an hour searching for these two suspects, and during the course of the search of um, the open countryside, they, um, we saw the human arrow formed by eight children who were on a uh, Easter egg hunt. Um, initially, we thought they were just waving at the helicopter, as we see on a daily basis, people trying to get our attention, say hello, look at us down here kind of thing. Um, but then it soon became apparent that they were actually trying to assist and were pointing the way to the direction that the suspects made off in.
1: So this was uh, just a bunch of kids who somehow had, had caught a glimpse of one of these suspects and decided that they would form their bodies into an arrow to help you out.
2: Yeah, it it appears that they literally just used their own initiative. We thought they were probably prompted by parents, but uh, apparently not. (laughs) One of the girls present just said, They're clearly not getting the message, you know, the waving and the pointing isn't working. Let's get down on the ground and make a massive arrow and try and spell it out to them. And uh, we followed the arrow to a nearby woodland where uh, one of the suspects was located using the thermal imagery camera. And uh, he in turn ran towards the direction of the second suspect, and they were both uh, arrested soon after.
0: Wait, so, so you guys are hovering above, you're looking they're kind of trying to direct you by waving, but it's not yeah. getting a response. So that's when they decided to form of a human arrow on the ground.
2: That's right. Yep. They, um, we spoke to them soon after, and they said, did you not see us waving? And myself <laughs> and my colleague Matt said, well, we did, but we see people waving at us all the time. And obviously when you're chasing two burglary suspects, you get very task-focused, and you just, yeah, not now, kids. We'll come back and wave later kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and um, That's when they thought they had to uh, use a different method to get our attention and say, no, you really need to pay attention to us. We're trying to help you, kind of thing, which is what the human arrow um, reflected.
1: So moving forward, have you thought about hiring an elite team of (laughs) third graders? to?
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, as you can imagine, there's been quite a few jokes as to why didn't you realize in the first place, and um, it's all good banter. But as yet, we haven't experienced any other arrows in the south of England, Um, but never say never. And
0: now it's the part of our show where we like to thank our sponsors. And this week, that's Stamps.com.
1: With Stamps.com, you can avoid trips to the post office, buy and print official US postage for any letter or package right from your computer, 600,000 small businesses already use Stamps.com. Right now, use the promo code EVERYTHING for a special
0: offer, a four-week trial. You can be on trial for four weeks. Uh, And possibly get off on a technicality. Plus a digital scale and free postage. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone, and type in everything.
1: Also this week, we are sponsored by Casper. They are an online retailer for mattresses.
0: Casper mattresses are American-made and obsessively engineered for comfort. They use two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, to give just the right amount of sink
1: and bounce. And they have a risk-free trial. You can try out your Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and returns. It's outrageous comfort at a polite price, according to them.
0: So go to Casper.com slash everything to check out their options. And they have a special offer for listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code everything to redeem $50 towards a Casper mattress that works for you. Terms and
1: conditions apply. You know what that sound means. We're about to talk about plasma polymer coated silicon microparticles nico volker works in nanomedicine, so his lab was experimenting with putting therapeutic drugs into tiny particles as a way to deliver them into the human body and in one recent experiment they had loaded these spongy particles with a drug but the surface of the particles was releasing the drug too fast uh to help anybody so
3: um We had the spongy particle, we had the drug in there, we had to find a way of of surrounding the particle, of coating the particle with something that would help us control the way that the drug was released.
0: So they needed to put a coating around the particle, which is complicated, but uh, imagine you're making a peanut
1: M&M. Okay, so the peanut is the drug, and then the particle is the chocolate uh, around the peanut and they needed to get the candy shell on top of the chocolate. But if the chocolate-covered peanut was just sitting on the ground and you pour the candy stuff on top of it, the side that's sitting on the ground wouldn't get any uh, candy stuff on it.
3: That's why we thought about a way of bouncing the particles while we were applying this coating.
1: You said bouncing what,
3: them? Yes, bouncing them, bouncing them, right, bouncing them up and down so that while they were bouncing, the coating would be applied, and because they they bounced up and down there's always um uh, they're always up in the well in in this case a vacuum not in the air but but they are being treated on each side of the particle equally right then, um this is where the music came in because we were discussing this problem and uh I'm sure maybe some you know alcohol was involved in that discussion, but anyway, we thought that maybe we just stick a loudspeaker into this um plasma reactor and we played some music while while we were playing the plasma because the, the loudspeaker would would vibrate it would bounce the particles uh-huh. so that's that's what we did and um you know we found that uh certain types of music work better than others uh because they they create a more chaotic bouncing effect and um because the the grad student who who was doing the work um at the time was a big acdc fan he uh, he usually um applied a c d c tunes and thunderstruck was an was a really good ch- tune but it also just had this you know good low frequency beat to it that gave us this chaotic bouncing effect that we were after so I know
0: human trials are a ways off, but uh if you had to guess what percentage chance do you think a person who takes one of these uh drugs that has been uh vibrated with ACDC that a side effect will be they're going to be a fan of ACDC
3: uh... <laughs> I, I wouldn't have a clue um but you know you could envisage people talk about personalized medicine uh and if you want to um you could envisage that you know there's a choice of song so if you're not an ACDC fan but um If you like Nirvana, you might choose a different song to to bounce your your
1: particles. Well, uh, Nico, thank you so much for talking to us about this.
3: No problem.
4: One new message.
1: Hey, guys. This is Alan in Houston. I recently listened to the episode about how cars get their names. I was wondering if I could get some pointers about how to name my car. It's a 2003 Subaru Forester, and it's dark green. I've never named any of my cars, but I like my Subaru, and I think you should have a good calling card. Thanks. Well, Alan, uh, there's a clear, correct answer here. You should name your Subaru Forester Sean Connery. Sean Connery
0: star of the movie Finding Forester.
1: Here's the only clip.
4: You're the man now, dog.
0: Congratulations, Alan. Hope you and Sean Connery
1: are very happy together. Last week, the story came out that the Large Hadron Collider at CERN had been brought down. There was a short circuit uh, caused when a weasel had wandered into it. And if something were to go wrong
0: here in CERN,
1: this uh, machine, it could destroy the Earth. Really, it it could destroy the the entire universe. It turns out it was not a weasel. The weasel was being uh, unfairly blamed or what were the actions of another small animal, a small beach marten?
0: So what we want to do here today is defend the
1: weasel. Restore its reputation. So online with us now is Professor Carolyn King, she goes by Kim, uh, from the University of Waikato in New Zealand.
0: So Kim, um, let's start with this. Here in the US, when we think of weasels, we think of people that are sneaking around and you kind of up to no good. Is that fair? <laughs>
4: That's just plain character assassination. It's very unfair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is that right? They're not sneaky animals?
4: Well, they're, they're predators. They're, they make their living by hunting down their prey. If they don't, they don't survive. So it isn't appropriate to apply human ideas of moral behavior to animals. It's very unfair.
0: <laughs> Is there anything you would want to tell people that uh, makes them cute? Or, or I don't know, maybe maybe you don't even think they're cute, but you like them. But was there something you can think of that... Uh, would convince somebody that, you know what, you guys are wrong. This is why you should love weasels.
4: Well, cute is perhaps not the first word that comes to mind because they've got too many teeth for that. But they are beautiful in the sense that they are like a perfect tool in that they, I mean, you can imagine a, a really well-designed hand tool. They are perfectly adapted for the life that they have. They, they kill things very, very quickly. They, a, a mouse or a vole found by a weasel probably doesn't have more than a couple of seconds for a squeak. Uh, they are, if you want to think of them that way, reasonably humane killers. Uh, they can uh, hunt uh, voles and lemmings in their burrows. And then, when the ice ages came and the burrows got covered in snow, they could still survive by diving under the snow and um, denning in the uh, lemming nests. then after sorry,
1: Kim? Do you do you mean that they would, when they would go down there, they would would they uh, hang out there to escape yes. the winter? Am, yes. Among yes. their prey.
4: Yes, indeed.
1: I mean, it seems like it would be great emotional conflict that you were in the home of the of the creatures you are eating.
4: (laughs) Well, no, the creatures you're eating uh, are not actually alive by the time the weasel takes up residence, because the lemming, uh, if a lemming is at home when the weasel visits, it provides uh, board as well as bed.
0: (laughs) It's a bed and breakfast, then.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you can, in the the melt, uh, when the snow disappears, and you can find the winter nest of the lemmings on the surface of the ground, uh, you can very often find nests that weasels have uh, visited in because they tend to pluck the fur and line the nest with fur to make a super insulated warm chamber. Uh, and then they will leave um, bits of jawbones and feet and tails and stuff lying around that they haven't eaten.
0: Kim, would you ever have a weasel as a pet?
4: I did, yes, I did once. I had one. You have to get them before their eyes are open. Which means they've got to be pretty young. But I did have uh, a weasel which I trained. I could get it to go um, up my arm under my under the sleeve of my jumper wow. and round my neck and come down uh, the sleeve of the the other arm. And uh, except that it tickled me on the way, it was really rather fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: what was the weasel's name?
4: Uh, Miniver, I think. Oh, quite some time ago. <laughs> Um, Kim, do do weasels make a sound? Yes. If you threaten a weasel, if it's in a corner, it has a very short explosive bark, which it it can use. Um, I think it would probably mess up your recording if I tried to uh, imitate it. But it's, it's very startling. Uh, if you have a, uh, a weasel in a corner, it will go <coughs> like that. It's very startling.
0: Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for uh, helping us rehabilitate weasels, or at least their image.
4: Right on. Thank you.
0: Well, that does it for this week's show. What'd you learn, Ian?
4: So we
1: we called Kim to restore the reputation of the weasel, Mm -hmm. and we asked her essentially to tell us the best thing she could about a weasel. What she told us is that it's a ruthless killer that steals the homes of those it's killed and lines those homes with the fur, the skin of the former residents. I understand that it does the things it does well, but those are not like if I were uh, a weasel applying for a job, right? I would try and think of other things to say about myself. I'm a humane killer. Yeah. Oh, in my in my previous job, I um I made a nest. Uh, after I ate a uh, helpless small animal. And I, I just hope that here at this daycare center, I can bring some of those, those skills to, to help the, the children. I understand you also do some interior design. Could you talk about that? I do. It's both a passion and uh, it's my instinct. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Hisham. Hisham is in charge of uh, the How to Do Everything Casino. Great work, Hisham. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org and you can visit
0: our website at howtodoeverything.org I'm Ian. I'm Mike. Thanks. We are
1: done. We've finished talking for this episode. But you, you are required to continue listening to NPR podcasts. For it's example, not, it's not our rule. you
0: can try the new NPR podcast, Code Switch, hosted by Gene Denby
1: and Shireen Marisol-Miraji. Code Switch is a new podcast that helps us understand how race and identity crash into everything else in our lives, from music to food to sports, all from a diverse group of journalists. You can find Code Switch on npr.org
0: slash podcasts. And on the NPR One app.
4: Yes, yes, you're the man now.